This is the Dice Tower Network at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 43, Take Off. That we are still a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and I'm one of your hosts, Marty. And I'm not Tony. This is Rodney. How you doing, everybody? Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop the music. <laughs> Who is this? Uh, it's Rodney. Marty, remember? It's me. Oh, wow. Yeah, so for people who do not know, well, well I guess you do know because I talked about it on the last episode, Tony's on vacation for two weeks. And so I know, and so he left me kind of high and dry, so I said, all right, I have got to get a co-host. And the first person I reached out to happened to say yes, which I was shocked at. Tonight, my co-host is none other than the Rodney Smith, who has the Watch It Play channel on YouTube. Yeah, that's me. It's great to be here. I know Tony couldn't be here. I couldn't leave you hanging, Marty. I had to come and help out. <laughs> oh, I thank you so much for, for coming. Now, there is one thing. Um, I know that uh, people are going to be kind of confused from our voices. Our accents are a lot alike. So people just hang in there. You'll figure out who is who over time because we, we sound like we just you know come from the exact same womb. Two, two pieces in the pot here. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was with that episode title, Take Off? You trying to get rid of me? What's the deal? All right. So it's a song title. You ever hear the song Take Off by the McKenzie Brothers? No. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. So Bob and Doug McKenzie was a, uh, a, like a comedy music group from the 80s. They're from Canada. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm familiar with 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 them. Sorry, but I just wasn't I wasn't familiar with the song. And the, and the song is, is, is "Take Off to the Great White North." So I had to come up with a song that was some sort of reference to Canada. I was going to go with Y Y Z. You know, a, a good old Rush song. I said, "Oh, Rush is too easy. Let me let me come up with something different." And then I thought of Bob and Doug McKenzie, whose real name is Rick Moranis and uh, Dave Thomas. Anyway, but yes, take off because I have a Canadian brethren here, so I wanted That's to right. kind of do a tribute to that. Yeah, they were a great sketch duo. Uh, one of our many uh, fine Canadian representations. But uh, yeah, no, I, along with Nathan Fillion, by the way. Yes, that's right. And I, I feel bad, though, because I was on the uh, Geek All-Stars, and they started talking about hockey, and even that conversation I couldn't join in on. I'm a, I'm a terrible Canadian on those two fronts. What? Yeah, I know, music and, uh, music and sports. Uh, I, I tend to, 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 to fall flat a little bit there. Uh, well, it, yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised by something. So as the good Southern boy, I'm sitting here drinking uh, sweet tea, and I was expecting you to be drinking like a mug of maple syrup, but it looks like it's just water. <laughs> yeah, I just have a water here. Oh. Listen, I, I want to be on my game here for you. <laughs> well, you're breaking all the stereotypes, man. It was, listen, it was either going to be water or something stronger. And I, <laughs> I decided water might be best. <laughs> hey, you could go with something stronger. We had Dan Patrice from the Geek All Stars on our show, and he was just yes. down in beers left and right. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> So for those who don't know, and I'd be surprised if you didn't, uh, Rodney has a uh, YouTube channel where he basically plays through games and teaches us how to play games, and it's called Watch It Played. And you've been doing this for about four years? Well, yeah, we're about to start our fourth season now. So we've done it for three years. And uh, yeah, you've got it exactly right. We, we try to do an episode, usually a single episode, where we'll fully teach the game. 
Uh, so you can just watch that. And if you want to skip the rule book, you can. Or if you want to just use the rule book as a reference after that, hopefully you'll be all set to go. And then after that, if the game is a good fit for our format, we'll try to do a full playthrough as well, broken up over a few episodes. And then between the episodes, we turn it over to the audience and let them vote on what should happen next. Usually they'll either work with one of the players, me or one of my kids who usually joins me, and sort of decide what should we do next. And people will propose suggestions, vote on it. And then we come back in the next episode and we do it. So we try to get the audience involved in the gameplay as well, keep them engaged that way, and also sort of helping us kind of shape the story that comes out of the, the gameplay, because gameplay always brings out some kind of story, usually. So so it's been a lot of fun doing it for three years, and uh, we hope to do it for many more. So so yeah, that's, that's, that's our story. And you're currently going through uh, Dead of Winter. Yes, we just finished it. We oh, okay. Finished. And, uh, and that was uh, fantastic. That was so much fun to do that one. Uh, there's lots of different kinds of games and styles out there. The ones that have some kind of narrative element to them, though, uh, usually bring a little something special to the video format because we, uh, we tried to uh, sort of create the stories we went along. We offered to the audience that they could uh, propose sort of the narrative as well through the gameplay decisions, and we got all kinds of great story suggestions. We tried to work those in as well. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And that game is, uh, is getting a lot of buzz and a lot of interest, uh, so it was really great to be able to feature that. But I think at the time of, of this recording here, Marty, between you and I, uh, they still have the pre-order going on, and they're hoping that that game is going to arrive on uh, North American shores anyway, you know, in the next few weeks or so. It's been delayed a bit. Oh, I didn't realize that. Shoot. Well, I know that when you uh, do your games, uh, you don't, it's not a review. It's really, here's how you play it. And you don't give a lot of uh, opinions behind it, but I do am curious. Did you like dead of winter? Yeah, no, you're right. I don't, I don't put any opinions into, um, into our videos at all. Uh, I even avoid talking about the components and things generally. I just want to present the game and people can decide for themselves, you know, is this something that's going to be a good fit for me? But when I'm on other people's podcasts, I break my mold and I will <laughs> freely share opinions and all the rest of it. And here I am with you. So let's uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed Dead of Winter. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it hits a lot of the buttons that I like in a game. Uh, as I mentioned before, there's a story element to it beyond just the mechanics of rolling dice and making decisions. And it has uh, the potential of a traitor in the midst uh, of the gameplay. That's fun. And uh, and the setting is neat. Now, people talk about you know, the zombie theme being sort of overdone and, and having enough of it. I've not had that problem. Like internally, I think, my gosh, I have so many fantasy games. I have so many space themed games. And I don't get tired of those. Uh, so the theme doesn't concern me. But it's different theme wise as well, because although there's zombies there and there's some zombie fighting to be done, uh, it's more about the psychological decisions and things of that nature. So I right. think it's taking a different approach than, say, something like Zombie Side, which I also enjoy. But that game's more about just going out there, kill zombies. Um, this one here emphasizes more the psychological element of having to make choices. Uh, do I take on more survivors, which will give me more actions and help me sort of save more people? But also now I have more mouths to feed. Uh, this is going to make my gameplay harder and all the rest of it. So, yep, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I think it's quite good. Um. So when you talk about the potential trader, is that like? Is there going to be a traitor every game, or is it like we don't want to play with the traitor this time, or there's just a random chance of a traitor? There's a random chance of a traitor. So what you do is you you only mix one traitor card in amongst a set number of of uh, of secret objectives that every player is going to have. So there's a very good chance that you won't have a traitor, to be honest. But just knowing that there could be one there 
causes doubt around the table, right? When we did our playthrough, uh, I, I ensured that I was the traitor. That was my one bit of rigging. We don't rig the games at all, but that was one I did because I knew the only way to have a traitor in our game that the audience could sort of see how that worked out and sort of really kind of get a sense of it was if I controlled it. So, um, so that's what we did, and that was, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, you could definitely play games. We have played games where there's no traitor at all. But you're suspicious of people because your secret objective that you have may cause you to do things that are selfish because you're trying to achieve a, an objective to win. Uh, the other players at the table are trying to achieve their own secret objectives, and those can conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where the suspicions can start to come out. And so you have to be careful how you balance what you need and what the colony at large needs. I cannot wait to, tr- to play it. I th- the only thing that just kind of, I don't know, see, seeing you play through it is all those stand-up figures. I don't, I don't know why that was. I know that's if for, for price purposes, you had to keep it cheap, but it it's almost had the look like the little paper doll look to me. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it, are, you want are the, some plastic, Marty? Is that what you're saying? I, I, well, I know, I know, and that's super expensive, right? Then you're then you're entering the zombie side type thing, which is going to you know put it post a hundred dollars in order to get that. So I totally get that. Is are the figure? Is it decent stock card, cardboard? Yeah, I've got no complaints about the quality of the standees. Uh, you know, I, I understand. I relate to what you're saying. Um, I'm a, a big plastics guy, too. I love cool-looking miniatures. But to be honest, these uh, do a very serviceable job, and they have the full art on them. So unlike, you know, if you're not a miniatures person, then when you're playing with miniatures, oftentimes you're playing with a bunch of gray blobs, yep. you know, on the table. And these have the full uh, colored pictures like you'd find on the character cards that go with them. And uh, I think they do really, they're really nice. And, and yes, they're good quality. So they're not going to be like bending or breaking and that sort of thing. Okay. All right. And of course, and of course, Marty, you know, people are going to be taking uh, their miniatures from zombie side and other things and, <laughs> and potentially substituting them in. I think what they really were hoping to do with this was be able to reach the broadest audience possible. Once you get to a certain price point, you do start cutting off how far you can reach with a game potentially, I think. All right. No, I totally get that because it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. So uh, kind of throwing off that to another game I've been very interested in the past year is uh, Shadowrun Crossfire uh, from Catalyst Game Labs. Yes. And I've been, I got to demo that. Uh, Tony brought back a copy of that last year. We demoed it. We really liked it. We liked the universe. Um, Tom over the Dice Tower put a, a review out today. Really liked it. I just and saw they, that one too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that game is basically a deck building game with a bunch of little pieces of cardboard. And then I went and saw, I was getting ready to pre-order it and I saw the price. The manu suggested, manufacturer suggested retail price is $60 on that game. And that kind of threw me for a loop because there's there's no plastic in that game. It's strictly cardboard cards and some cardboard. And I was kind of shocked at that sticker price to the point to where that's going to turn a lot of people off. Um, because you can buy other uh, like deck building type games for a lot cheaper than that. Yeah, it's, it, price points are a very interesting and weird thing. Uh, one of the segments that I, I do on my show is I do a weekly table talk thing where I just propose a game related topic, and it's very different than our playthroughs and the rest of that. One of the topics that uh, we discussed was the cost and value of games and what a gamer perceives when they look at the price tag, right? And they pick up the box. What do they generally do? They kind of see how heavy it feels, mm-hmm. how big is this box, and they're measuring that against the perceived value based on the price tag. And another way of looking at it, though, is how much game is in there. 
And that's kind of an intangible thing you can't really measure by holding the box in your hands. Uh, you can't really measure how much play testing went into it, how much, um, you know, sort of, like I said, these intangible things. If, if, I was, if I was to play a $60 deck builder that I thought was fantastic and surpassed other deck builders, I would pay the 60 bucks. Right. Uh, whether it, the components are the same or, or less than something else that costs less. But of course, you can't know that going into it. So yeah, you're right. It creates a barrier. If people don't feel like the weight is supporting the, the, the price tag, then uh, it can turn people away. But it's, it's, that's, that's kind of like a tenuous ground to be on because I think as gamers, we want to support good games. Right. Not just games with a bunch of cool components in them. Because I've gotten lots of games that have amazing components, and I definitely felt like I was getting my money's worth out of the quality of the tokens and the plastic and the board. But then the actual gameplay, I felt like it was a total waste of my money. So how do I assess that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, and I totally get the whole thing about, you know, what's the value in it while I play it a lot. And I guess I'm just thinking from a component perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go out and get, uh, I don't know, what's the MSRP on Ag- Agricola? 50, 60 bucks, maybe 60, 70 bucks. And there's a lot of wooden bits and pieces in there. I don't know. Remember, I'm in Canada. It was probably like about 250 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know Kavarna's $80, and I, it's yeah, more yeah. than uh, Agricola. So I guess I was just thinking component wise but well, that was a whole tangent thing we, we just talked about you know the price and everything i would just i'm still going to get crossfire nobody get me wrong uh tony and i hyped that up i still think it's something i'm i'm definitely going to pick up because supposedly it could take you upwards of 50 plays in order to max out your character so there's a lot of game there to be played i was just kind of surprised with the components that are included in that game that it has such a high price point that's all yeah I, i'm interested in that one too though marty i'm with you i was at uh the GTS distribution come and play day in Seattle. And I saw they had like a demo box there. And mm-hmm. in my head, I was trying to figure out how can I convince them that I should take this home with me? <laughs> right, right. I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to ask, but I got a chance to look at the box and I've been curious about it because I'm interested in the Shadowrun universe. And uh, they were having, what was it, the year of Shadowrun there last year? And I think yes. a number of those products never actually came up, but they're coming out now. Right. So I'm very curious. Yeah. Yeah. They've got uh, a, um, a minis game, a miniature game called um, uh, Sprawlgangers. That's right. I, I actually signed up to be on the playtest group for that because I love skirmish miniatures games, and that's what this was going to be. And I just found I wasn't able to give it the time. So unfortunately, I had to bow out. But the little bit I did see of it interested me for sure. Yeah, that, that one looks good. And then there was a there is a board game coming out. That one has escaped me, but there is a, a, a just a flat old plain out board game that's built around the Shadowrun universe. There's a Euro. To. I think it was it was characterized as a Euro too. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. So now they're trying to cover all the bases with this uh, Shadowrun theme, uh, which I think is really cool. Tony was able to snag one of those demo boxes last year at Gen Con, which is how we got to play it, and it was a very light version. I know a lot of the issues that people are going to have with this game is I, have you seen where. The character cards are going to require stickers. As you level up, you peel off a sticker and put it on yeah. a card. Yeah, and I can see that. It's funny reading the comments on the Dice Tower video. People are like, I'm glad you told me about that, so now I'm not buying it. You know, really turned off by that. And I guess I, I guess I can understand that. It feels like I don't want to mess up my games. But I thought in this world of where we have all these legacy-based games where you're going to play through once and then stop, I thought it would be more accepted. I th- yeah, I thought we were past that too, honestly, because a number of games, uh, I think a, a lot of gamers, those who have you know larger collections, they don't play their games 50 times a year. 
right? So if you're getting even like 10, 12 plays out of it, at least based on how much you've paid, you're probably doing all right entertainment-wise. Uh, and I, my understanding with the stickers is that it takes quite a while before you're even getting close to really plunking down that many on the, the cards. Like leveling up takes some time. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I, I um, the sticker thing doesn't bother me. The only thing that I care about is does it make the game more interesting or fun to play? If it's just a gimmick, then that would be a reason for me to be annoyed by it. But otherwise, I'm just kind of curious to see how it works. Right. And to me, it's an easy solution. Catalyst, well, they're already coming out with like an extended character set. But all they got to do is come out with the original characters and stickers as just a, a standalone or a supplement, you know, for 20 bucks or less. And then that then it covers the basis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's lots of little solutions to those things. It's, I don't think it's near the, uh, nearly as destructive as, as a Risk Legacy was, which, which, again, a lot of people were concerned about at first. But clearly it did quite well. And people are very... Yeah, uh, obviously, because now how many legacy type games are coming out now? I mean, we've got, you know, just recently mentioned was Pandemic, which I'm very interested in, actually. Um, now, and now the others are lost. Uh, they've announced a couple legacy style Seafall. games. See, Rob Davia, the, the original yes. designer of Risk Legacy, is doing his own Seafall. And I think people are really excited for this one because nothing against Hasbro, but he would have had certain constraints working at Hasbro on Risk Legacy. Now he's kind of on his own. His constraints are his own. Uh, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in kind of that unfettered environment. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, I really love where this is going of, of kind of having, and, you know, with board games, you, you, put up, you put out a game, you play a game, you put it away, you're kind of done. That's the end of the story. But with the Legacy games, the Pathfinder Adventure game, I love this mechanic of bring a game out over and over again and it changes over time you're building something you're developing something that you want to keep coming back to and it's one of those things that i was always interested in role-playing games and i played a little bit here and there but just never had a good steady group nor the time to do it to me i kind of picture it like that i love the idea of having like a character or something you build and and play with it over time where you just want to play that character and make him really awesome so i'm really glad to see that board games are starting to do that i mean my family plays that pathfinder adventure game and really loves the mechanics behind it and now each of us have our own little character with their little personalities and their characteristics <laughs> right. and, and i'm hoping Shadowrun will do the same thing for us yeah i'm with you 100 I, I have the same background i idea of role-playing intrigues me i do very little of it but when i can i try to uh, but i'm finding more ways to kind of role-play in my board games so that that makes me happy i'm with you so when we're speaking of the games and talking about different games uh, our yeah. next segment is we're going to talk about some recently announced awards both that uh the the spiel de Zars and the dice tower awards so you ready to jump over and do that oh i sure am i love talking about the dice tower awards let's do it So as of this recording, we are about a week, week and a half beyond the big Dice Tower convention that took place down in Florida. And at that time was the Dice Tower Awards. Now, I really appreciate the way uh, Tom runs these awards. I had the privilege of, privilege of being on the nomination and voting committee uh, for this year. And just let me tell you to all those who are wondering how this is done behind the scenes, Tom does this very well and he's very meticulous about it he gives you all the categories and there was a long discussion at the beginning he threw out are these the right amount of categories are there any categories we need to get rid of add change modify that discussion took um, a couple months Ronnie, i don't know if you've talked to anybody on that and the process that went 
on behind it. Well, I, I talked to Tom a little bit about this, uh, and he actually invited me to, to participate. Obviously, I wasn't in this year's one because Kemet didn't win in every category, uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, uh, but I, I, I do know that he takes it quite seriously, and he involves a number of different people. And I think one of the things that I, I like the best uh, about, or at least this is what I've heard, and I believe it's true. When someone uh, outspokenly criticizes the uh, Dice Tower Awards, Tom usually just invites them to join them next year. <laughs> right. So, so he's not he's not a, he's not averse to differing opinions, and he wants those differing opinions. And uh, that's that's why I really I, I respect these um, this this process. Even though I'm not the kind of person who gets really hung up in reviewing or uh, saying this game's better than that game or whatever. Uh, if you're going to do it, I think the way he's doing it's the right way. But yeah, certainly share some more of the, uh, the the process there. Yeah, so and I think last year it was maybe around 90 or so people that were in, involved in this process. And obviously when you open up the conversation about categories, there are some were a lot more vocal than others. I remember there was a big discussion on family games versus party games. Is there a delineation between the two? Um, war games, strategy games, does that even need to be in there? Are people that interested in war strategy games? I can't think of some of the others. There were some categories just like, are there even enough games to fill this category? That sort of deal. So Tom put a lots, lots of effort into it. He definitely gets a lot of he gets a lot of opinions and a lot of people give him feedback and then he goes from there. Okay, so that's done. Then he just asks for nominations and people just start start throwing out uh, any number of nominations they want. He calculates all those and comes down with the finalist. Then from there, he gives us each category, the nominees for each category. We vote. That's pretty much it. So behind the scenes, this is very much a... a I'm trying to... There are people that are voting that are maybe part of the publishing community, part of the media uh, creator community, uh, just some uh, fans of games that there's, it covers a lot of different people that's on Mm. this, this committee. And he, he's right. He loves to add as many people as possible because it makes it more diverse. So what I'm trying to get to is I know there are a lot of people that say some of the awards and stuff, they're kind of honky to them or, you know, I know some people have issues with the origins award and who wins, this to me is a very fair process and how he does this. And thus I think when we see and talk about these winners, uh, just people know that behind the scenes, this was all very fair and very upfront. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, obviously all of this stuff is very opinion based, but when I look at the origin awards, at least in the past, I think still, I still feel this way somewhat, but certainly it was worse in the past. I think a lot of us, at least those of us in the gaming community, those of us who, who pay attention to what's sort of popular, interesting, what's making waves, we look at the games being selected in the Origins Awards, and we're left scratching our heads, not just not just over who won, but even the nominees themselves. And when I look at the Dice Tower selection of nominees, I, I feel like I see a representation of what I think has generally been popular and successful in the past year. So whether these are my favorite games or not, I, I don't, that doesn't matter. I can see what I think is a, is a reasonable cross-section of what has been successful and has, has at least made some splash. There's no real, there's nothing on this list that makes me go, why is that there? Um, you know, I might be saying, well, why isn't something else there as well? But that's always going to be the case. Right. And so, uh, so yeah. So the, I, I, have a, I have a lot of respect for this process, and uh, and uh, it sounds like it sounds like it's it's quite an extensive process. How long do you think it takes, start to finish? We probably started talking about it fall of last year, and I think we voted in April. Eh, wow, that's, that is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Now it's not continuous every week, but sure. he he just opens up the channels at the very beginning. 
about, hey, do we have the right number of awards and stuff? And that goes on for a while. Once the nominations and stuff starts happening, that stuff flows pretty quick because then people just throwing out names. He adds them up. You know, it's pretty straightforward at that point. Yeah. Oh, there also is a lot of discussion, too, of what counts as a game that came out last year, right? There are some games that were, okay, it was in Europe, but not in America. Should we allow it? That sort of deal. And Tom just kind of has a final say-so on that. Right. Yeah, that that probably makes sense. you got to sort of just make a decision somewhere. I know, like, for example, I mentioned Kemet. I think that one came in 2012, but it was nominated in some of these 2013. That's fine with me, because I can be nominated in every year, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) Holy cow. Somebody (laughs) likes Kemet. All right. So here we go. Doesn't everyone like Kemet, Marty? Doesn't everyone like it? uh, I've never played it. Oh, well, then you can be forgiven. Uh, no, well, once you, I'd, once you've I'd, played I'd love it, to play I'll it. expect you to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm trying to think. Okay, if any of my local uh, gaming friends has this game, uh, I want to play. But I can't think of anybody that may have it. <sighs> this is, this, you're disappointing me. You're disappointing me a little bit here, Marty. That's okay, uh, though. My bad. Okay. My bad. Let me right. see if I can do better. All right, here we go. So starting, I'm just going down, right down the Dice power, Tower page. The, um, the best game reprint, the winner of that was Ogre. The other nominations were uh, The Downfall of Pompeii, Incognito, Warhammer Disc Wars, Pinata. Now, I voted on these about three months ago, and I can't remember exactly what I voted for for each one, but if I can remember, I'll tell you which one I voted for. In this category, oh, also, I hadn't played all these, and if I haven't played enough of them, I didn't vote because I didn't think that was fair. Um, in this one, good, Marty, I, yeah. In this one, I did vote, and I voted for Warhammer Disc Wars because I just really enjoy that game. I wish the game was bigger than what it was. Uh, Tony and I have both played that game. He Do you mean really... bigger like ogre size, or you just mean bigger is popular? <laughs> yeah, bigger is popular. Yeah, okay. Um, because nobody around here, and locally, nobody is is playing it. But that I think a total, it, that's a total shame, Marty. Uh, I I picked up the expansions. Me and Luke just played it for the first time recently, and uh, I want to play more of it. I when I first heard it, I thought, <laughs> if I'm being blunt here, I thought this is ridiculous. You, you're mm-hmm. thinking one of the darkest settings and putting it in what could almost be, you know, characterized as a silly format. You're flipping discs, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem dark and serious. There's something about it, right? But this game is, is really cool. It's really neat. I like the way it works. I like that I don't have to, again, paint the miniatures. I like that I can flop it down and have a miniatures experience um, in a very quick uh, style of gameplay. And all kinds, it's like I have a whole boatload of these miniatures, and it costs me very little, comparatively, yes. right? And, and the mechanics and the gameplay really do mimic a full miniatures game. Yes, they do. They do. Very much so. And so that's why I voted for that one. But let's talk about the winner. Sure. Ogre. What do you think about that one? Uh, I mean, my only experience of Ogre is seeing this reprinted version. I never played it uh, when I was growing up like some people have. And uh, I've only seen it at conventions. Uh, I know a couple of friends who've picked it up and bought it. And I, I think assembling it is, is a huge major task. I don't know. Like, I'd love to know the people who bought it. Are they playing it a ton? Or is it more the spectacle of it? It seems like it'd be somewhat inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And I guess as a reprint game, because of the massiveness of it, maybe that's why I got the number of votes it did. Yeah, maybe. I think it is a phenomenal production. I don't think that can be debated. I mean, it is, it's, it's amazing. It's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, and, I, and I think that's probably part of its popularity, along with, of course, the fact that it's a beloved game. But the way they reprinted it was just, it was, it was nuts. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, totally but, but agree. Very cool, but very cool. The next game is uh, the best party game. The winner was One Night Ultimate Werewolf. The other nominees were Bang the Dice Game, Going Going Gone, Rampage, and Tapple. Uh, for this one, I voted for Bang. Um, I do remember that. I thought, as far as Bang the Card Game, I thought it was a decent game. But I really, really like what they did with this game and the dice and the mechanics. I think it flowed a lot better. But One Night Ultimate Werewolf is a very, very, very good game, too. I, ha- I haven't actually played One Night Ultimate Werewolf, and I've heard lots of great things about it. But Marty, once again, we're two for two. Uh, you know, for a party game, I got to love Rampage, but that's a party of four. Um, mm-hmm. Bang is is just everyone I've broken that out with has enjoyed it. Well, not everyone. There was one guy. He got eliminated like the first round. But <laughs> most people I've played it with have really, really enjoyed it. And I've introduced it to non-gamer friends, and they've gotten it right away and wanted to play over and over and over. So I'm with you. I think uh, Bang the Dice game deserves some love too, for sure. Yep. And, and, and did get a nomination. So I think even if you got nominated, I think that means a lot here too. I think it does, for sure. Especially when you consider how many games have come out. It's, it's, it's big just to be nominated. So for best uh, game artwork, winner, Eldritch Horror. Other nominees were Dixit, Rampage, Pathfinder, the Adventure Card Game, and Lewis and Clark. I got this one right. Well, right. The most popular, <laughs> I voted for Eldritch Horror. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think Dixit has phenomenal artwork. It's, it's just so wacky and wild, but really, really, really well done. Um, I haven't gotten a good close look at Lewis and Clark. Me either. And uh, Rampage has great fun artwork as well. But I, again, overall, there's just so much artwork packed into Eldritch Horror. And uh, I think one of the nicest things is they just didn't go back and reuse all the Arkham Horror stuff. Which they very easily could have done. Certainly they could have. Because the game can stand on its own, but the artwork, uh, the additional artwork is is excellent. Yeah. So for best board game components, uh, winner was Battle Lore. The other runners up were our nominees were Relic Runners, Forbidden Desert, Rampage again. And oh, look, there it is. Kemet. Kemet. <laughs> Let's see. Which one did you pick? Uh, uh, yeah. I, listen, I, I don't blame the judges for, for getting confused on this and picking Battle Lore. Because <laughs> Battle Lore is a beautiful game. Again, the components are excellent. But Kemet was in the category, so it should have won. Um, oh, there you go. So basically, everybody else was wrong. Yeah, but I understand. I understand why. <laughs> you understand why we yeah, were wrong. Battle lore is very distracting. It's it's it is it is a box full of very cool looking stuff. <laughs> and this is one I can't remember what I voted for, so I'm not even going to say because I don't want to. I I, I, I don't remember. Up, I just opened up Relic Runners recently and played it, and the components in that, like every Days of Wonder game, uh, pretty much. Uh, Really, really nice as well. It's a good category. Lots of good choices here, for sure. So, and uh, the best two-player game. Hey, look, Battle Lore won again. Other nominees were the Duke, Tosh Kalar, Arena of uh, Legends, Legends yeah. Targi, and Pixel Tactics 2. I know that I voted for the Duke. I love the simplicity and the inexpensiveness and ease of the game, but I can understand why Battle Lore won again. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, Duke's a great choice. Pixel Tactics, have you played that before? I have not. I've played the others, but haven't played Pixel. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a really fun two-player as well. Uh, and uh, that's one that I, I, I learned recently and have been enjoying. But uh, yeah, Battle Lore is, is a great two-player. Kemet is excellent two-player as well, but it's not just two-player. So uh, I guess I can understand, again, why it was left off this category. But yeah, I yeah. think this may have been just two-player only. Yeah, and you know that was actually another discussion we had. If it plays more than two, should it even be allowed? 
that sort of thing too. So a lot of thought goes into this. All right. So best co-op game winner, Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Other nominees were Eldritch Horror, Forbidden Desert, the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, Police Precinct. I remember I was torn between Eldritch Horror and Pathfinder and can't remember which way I went, but it doesn't matter because Freedom, the Underground Railroad played and I have uh, won and I still have not played that game and I really want to play it. Yeah, it's it's you should. It's it's a very good game. I was surprised it won this category. To be honest, I um, I probably would have handed this to Eldritch or Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. I think uh, just given the uh, the the general splash and impact those games have had, I think over Freedom. But Freedom is very good. I'm not saying it's like a runaway with those either two, but it, they're definitely up there in the in those in those categories. Right, and I'm trying to remember there was some that he said were really close as far as vote wise, and I think this may have been one of them. I may have actually leaned towards Pathfinder because it was unique. Uh, the others were like basic co-op games, but the fact that this was a co-op game that you play over time and gets, you know, you build your character like I talked about before, I may have actually leaned that way. Well, I think that's interesting you say that because I know the Dice Tower Awards, uh, they say that they want to focus on encouraging innovation. And I agree with you. I think the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game uh, pushed innovation in the co-op category in a way that maybe some of these other ones uh, didn't do quite so much. But uh, yeah, all good games in this category for sure. Best strategy game winner, Russian Railroads. Other nominees were Bruges, Caverna, Lewis and Clark, Lewis and, Clark and Freedom, the Underground Railroad. And I can't remember if I voted between I can't I either voted for Caverna or Russian Railroads and I can't remember which one. Mm. Too many on here I haven't played. Okay, I've like I said I haven't played Freedom Bruges. I have played. I, I like it. There's a little bit of a luck element I'm like so so about Caverna. I probably maybe one of those few people I don't know maybe I'm a majority. I actually like it better than Agricola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more streamlined and Russian railroads kicked my tail the first time I played it. Cause I just had no clue what was going on and I was trying to build every line at once. And then afterwards it's like, Oh, well that was stupid. So then I've played a couple more times since then and really appreciated it after that. Yeah. I'm really interested to try Russian. I actually, I own Russian railroads and Caverna, uh, but I haven't played either of those yet. They're on my play very soon list. Uh, Bruges I've played in freedom. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think Freedom Freedom's a very good strategy game. Interesting seeing it here and in the co-op categories, and uh, I could certainly see it doing well there as well. Mm. So on the best game expansion, uh, the winner, Lords of Waterdeep, Scoundrels of Skullport, other nominees, Suburbia Inc., Sentinels of the Multiverse, Shattered Timelines, Legendary Dark City, Pandemic in the Lab. I didn't even have to think twice. I clicked on Scoundrels of Skullport as soon as I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. That game, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think that the Scandal Skullport took a, an already, uh, you know, good Euro um, and just kicked it up a notch. It just gave it a new spin, uh, added some nice dirty tricks to it. I, I really liked it. What did you think, Marty? I totally agree. I, we reviewed this or talked about it when it first came out. I will never play Lords of Waterdeep without this expansion again. Yeah. The corruption totally changes the game and makes it a lot more fun for me. I hear you. I agree. I really liked uh, what Dark City did for Legendary. Uh, Legendary was people commented that the, the base set was a little bit easy, and I felt like the Dark City expansion uh, changed that. It added some new things and also made the difficulty uh, that much more, which uh, I think is good. It's good for a co-op to be difficult, so that was a good one. Best new designer, winner, Freedom the Underground Railroad, Lewis and Clark, Euphoria, Nations, and Relic Runners. Of all these, I think I'd only played one, and I was not going to vote for Euphoria, so there. Really? Didn't like, you didn't like Euphoria, Marty? Man, it just, I have played it two or three times now. It just, <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. And both times we had the exact same issue, even though after the first game we talked about it. Two of the colors of the factions are somewhat close together in color family. Yes. The first time I played, I got them backwards. I messed oh, no. up. Oh, no. Okay? Yes. So that really just ruined the experience for me. So the second time we played, it was the same. No, it was almost the same group of people <laughs> except for one other person. The guy teaching the game said, Marty screwed this up last time. Here, look. These are two <laughs> different color factions. Wow. The new guy got them messed up. Oh, no way. Oh, no. Because you know you've played. Have you played, right? I, I, I have learned it, and I have played it against myself. <laughs> okay, so you know how one faction's base colors like orange and the other's like brown. Yes, yeah, but yeah. then the highlight colors are the reverse of that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I guess I'm just dumb. But anyway, I, no, I, no, Marty, th- those are those are things that uh, are important. You need to have those color distinctions. I've never realized just how many of my friends are colorblind until I start playing. Uh, I'm not saying colorblind, but I no. as an extension of that, just how important colors and symbols and all that sort of thing is. I never really had a sense of it until I, you know, started introducing more and more games to my friends. Yeah, and it's funny. The other color factions are like uh, one is a, a bluish, a greenish, and I can't remember what the other one is. Um, it's a it's more like a primary color. So at the beginning of the game, when you pick your factions, I purposely did not pick those others to make sure I wouldn't do the same mistake again. <laughs> you know your weakness. That's good. That's, <laughs> That's good. right. Okay. And by the way, the winner was Freedom: The Underground Railroad, and I haven't talked about it being as the winner because I, I haven't played it, but. Right. Again, this game has made the list so many times, I really need to play it. It sounds like. Yeah, you know, I, I think you should. I think you'll enjoy it, Marty. Best family game winner goes to Forbidden Desert. The other nominees were Going Going Gone, Augustus, Rampage, and Steampark. Um, while I think Forbidden Desert is definitely eh, you know what? I'm changing my vote. I voted, for, I voted for Rise of Augustus. <laughs> but now that I think about it as a family game, I think Forbidden Desert is better. Having kids, I think I could explain Forbidden Desert than I could Augustus. Uh, that's a good point. I think you're right. With younger kids, I think the theme of Forbidden Desert is going to connect uh, a little better and easier to explain. We've had good, good success with uh, Augustus with our family. Uh, my wife enjoys it. My kids uh, were able to get the hang of it really easy. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think you're probably right there with the theme on Forbidden Desert being a little more appealing. Uh, let's see. Best small publisher. The winner was Euphoria. The other nominees were Eight Minute Empire Legends, Francis Drake, Viticulture, and the Giant Heartland Hauling Company. Okay, so I did not vote for Euphoria, but I did vote for Francis Drake. I loved that game the first time I ever played it. Hmm. I haven't played Francis Drake, but I really think looking at uh, Euphoria and just seeing that, you know, knowing how small uh, Stonemaier Games is and what they managed to produce, they do such an amazing job with their Kickstarters. I love how they run them. Jamie stays so uh, interactive throughout the whole process and beyond, sharing all the information he's gathered about the process so other Kickstarter uh, creators can benefit from that. Uh, I, I'm really pleased to see see them get rewarded uh, here with that. Most innovative game, Rampage, Freedom the Underground Railroad, uh, Going Going Gone, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, and Kemet. Now, I, well, I obviously Kemet just... won, right? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was torn on this one too. We're talking about uh, the. Uh, uh, I just scroll down. The most innovative, getting down and blowing over buildings is definitely innovative. But then I thought so was the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. So what I'm saying is I can't remember who I voted for. Yeah, this there are some good choices in here. Going, going, gone again. I don't know any games where you're chucking <laughs> cubes at, at dishes That's true. To, to bid. Um, 
Oh, shoot, though. I mean, obviously, Kemet should have won this, uh, but we'll put that aside for a moment. Uh, and Rampage did win it. And uh, yeah, it, it certainly did innovative things there. Um, good category. This is a fun category. I like seeing what they come up with for, for who's sort of pushing the envelope in innovation. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and definitely, and when you look at things like this, I think it gives um, designers like maybe ideas to even innovate even more with us already with with what's already been done. I think people like awards, and I think something like the Dice Tower Awards uh, having some. Uh, I, I think it's good if the Dice Tower Awards becomes a noted award system, because I think yes. people and publishers like to. I think they take a sense of pride in winning something like this or winning in a category and being nominated. Hopefully, that does encourage them to continue to do so. So although I'm, as time has gone on through us talking about here uh, at Marty, I, I, I'm starting to lose a little bit of respect for the process because I'm seeing Kemet not winning. <laughs> um, still, still, I, I, I have hope. I have hope for these awards. <laughs> maybe Kemet 2 maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> will win they, for you. They have, an ex- they have an expansion coming. Maybe it will win an expansion. Next there year. you go. Yeah. <laughs> Best game theming. The winner was Freedom the Underground Railroad. The other nominees are Elitor, Rampage, Police Precinct, and Lewis and Clark. Um, I probably voted for Eldritch because I had not played Freedom. But again, to me, whoever came up with the idea of this game was a bold, brave move to come up with a game that has to do with the Underground Railroad. Yeah, I, listen, I, I have, uh, I think it was earlier when we talked about freedom, maybe in the, which category, best co-op. I said, well, I don't know. I think, I think it definitely deserves it here. When I played this game um, with Luke and my wife, Christy, uh, I, I felt it. I really cared about the outcome. Uh, it really mattered to me, saving uh, people. And when I saw them in trouble, it bothered me. And when they got captured, it bothered me. And we were seeing these real-life events come up in the cards and in, and in the process of playing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of hit me in the gut a little bit. Uh, so I, I think they really, really capture the theme here in a way that I care about more than, say, like, I think the theme in Eldritch Horror is fantastic and the way they brought it to life there, and even though it's kind of unreal. But I care more about the theme that I saw coming to life in Freedom. So I think, I think they did a really good job with it and handled it in a very sensitive uh, and yet still meaningful way. Some of my friends I've talked to around here who I've talked about playing it said they almost felt a little bit uncomfortable. They said, you know, that's such a um, sensitive subject and to make a game around it and have fun with it, they were just unsure about it. Now, none of us had played it. It was just that's what off the top of their mind. It's like, I don't know if I want to play a game because she said, how can I have fun with that? You know, if we lose, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. guess, no, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, there is there is an element of that to it. I mean, when I play. Uh, pandemic and I lose, technically the whole world's been corrupted by diseases and everyone's dead, I suppose. <laughs> but but I still I'm, I still go back and play it again. I think freedom um, you know, takes itself a little more seriously. And so I think going into it, you do take it a little more seriously and losing does have a greater impact, but I think in a good way. I, I think in a good way. that I, I think it should feel a little bit uh, bad when you lose uh, and, and uh, because of the real life things that were at stake and you're kind of mimicking that right you're not of course living it for real but I think as a teaching tool it's phenomenal I mean for Luke it was a way for me to introduce to him something that was a part of you know our hit our history you know growing up in North America and this is a way to do it in a way that was entertaining but in the best sort of sense of the word not like frivolously you know, in that we were learning something and, and, and yet engaging in a family activity together that was uh, enjoyable and, you know, as I say, meaningful. 
So. And then on to the best game of the year. Uh, there were more nominees in this category than others. It was allowed to have a little bit more on this one to try to make sure we found the right one. The winner was Caverna. The other nominees were Bruges, Trains, Concordia, Eldritch Horror, Forbidden Desert, Freedom of the Underground Railroad, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, Rampage, and Russian Railroads. I wish I could remember what I voted for. <laughs> there were so many of these games, I, I can't remember which one it was, but I, I totally get with Caverna winning. I know that Caverna has converted a lot of people that didn't really care that much about Agricola to really enjoying this game. Um, it is different enough from Agricola, a little more streamlined that um, it, it deserves to be. I know some people are like, it's Agricola 2.0, and I guess if you kind of stretch it, maybe it is, but to me there was enough unique about it are you surprised this one with all those others that were nominated? I, I, I wasn't really. Uh, I've heard so much good about Caverna. Now, listen, I never played Agricola. And I'm really glad that I'm, I'll never have to. Because, <laughs> because right. my friends over at the Secret Cabal Candy podcast affectionately uh, refer to Agricola as Misery Farm. And <laughs> Caverna, from what I've heard, I have it and uh, I haven't played it yet. But from what I've heard, it just... It still uh, embraces many of the same gameplay elements, but as you say, in a 2.0 sort of way. They, they've broadened it a little bit, taken away some of the misery, but not all of it. And I know some people don't prefer Caverna because they feel like it has softened some of those edges that people enjoyed. Uh, but for me, it sounds like it'll be a, a better fit. So, so we'll see. You know, to me, maybe I think a valid comparison is what Eldritch Horror did with Arkham Horror mm-hmm. in that it streamlined that game a little bit. Um, Arkham Horror has a bunch of little fiddly bits and rules, and they kind of you know smooth those out with Arkham Horror, which I think why it's a lot more accessible. If I was going to bring out a game to teach right now to people who hadn't played either one, it would definitely be Eldritch Horror first. Oh, yeah, no question here. I uh, I made a promise uh, to my viewers that I would play Eldritch Horror, at, uh, no, sorry, Arkham Horror at some point. We did Mansions of Madness as our first series, and people really thought that it would be fun to see us do Arkham Horror. And I said I would do it, but at some point in the future. Well, I didn't know they were going to release Eldritor because uh, honestly, um, I, I would play Eldritor every, every day over Arkham. Uh, it, it provides the same for me, the same feel and, and tension and it puts me in that world. But I find it so easy to remember all the rules. When I break open that box, I, I know how to play it. Arkham Horror, when I break open the box, I kind of go back to those rules and kind of dig through it again to sort of get things. There's too many little fiddly things I find, little edge rules that don't come up often enough for me to memorize them. And uh, Eldritch Horror, for me, uh, solved all those problems. That finishes up the Dice Tower Awards, but it just so happens that on the day we recorded, the Spiel de Jars 2014 winners were announced. So right. let's right. throw those out real quick. Sure. So the uh, Spiel de Jars are nominated over in, I guess, Germany. Yes, I sure. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong about this, but I think you're right. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. I don't have time to Wikipedia this thing. Oh, but dear. anyway, so there were, th- there, were th- <laughs> there were three games up for this. It was um, Camel Up, Splendor, Concept. Now, unfortunately, I've only played one of those, Splendor. Great game. But the winner was Camel Up. Have you played that one? I've played the other two. I've played Concept and I've played Splendor, but not Camel Up. And I thought, and I mean, you shouldn't think something's a shoe in when you haven't played all three of them, but I thought Splendor was going to be the one because I've heard so much more about Splendor than I have of Camel Up. Do you feel the same way or have you heard a lot about Camel Up? 
to be honest with you, the the only thing I've really heard about Camel Up was uh, wasn't that uh, didn't Board with Life do a skit on that? Oh, they might have. I, I don't remember. I've watched all their stuff, but it obviously didn't jump out at me. Wasn't there one where they're trying to the, the the girl? I can't remember her name. Was trying to grab camels. I need more camels. Oh no no that's that, that was the whole that that, that was uh, Jaipur. I saw that episode, but that was my bad. Camel Up. That's yeah. right. That's <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad you're here to correct me because Tony would have been like, I don't know, and then and then he would, then I'd have felt stupid when the comments came in the forums. You, you idiot! It's not Camel Up that you do <laughs> hey, that. Go back and do your research. <laughs> so anyway, thank you. Well, you're forget welcome. I ever said that. Well, I was I, I was feeling bad because I I know I've seen every every board with life episode. I don't remember seeing them do Camel Up. <laughs> well, how many games have camels in? Yeah. Obviously two. Yeah, I guess so. At least two. <laughs> At least two. So anyway, so Camel Up won. Now I'm very anxious to play it. But I, too, was so uh, blown away by Splendor and how popular it is around my area with my friends. I thought that would have been the shoe-in also. Yeah, and listen, I played Concept just recently and, uh, with um, Giancarlo uh, from Board to Death. He t- uh, that's another YouTube channel. He's, been, he's working with Asmodee now, and he taught that to me and Isaac Vega. And I had heard about it. I'd heard reviews for it. And what I had heard is it's more of an activity than a game. And I played it, and I don't know if it's a game or an activity, but I had a lot of fun. Whatever was going on, I was having a blast. Like we were, we were cheering, we were standing up. It was, it was a, a very cool, uh, new take on charades. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. And then the other um, award that was given out was the Kinderspiels. Well, kind, it must be not, Kinder Kinderspiel, Kinderspiel de Jars. Sure. There we go. Sure. Which was for the best. Okay. Yeah. We're making up tell, awards the, here now. The, the, the southern uh, German accent, I'm really <laughs> sure, is going across really well, which is the uh, best children's game. And up, is that right? Uh, I best think. Game? No, I had that backwards. I think Kinder, What's the, is, uh, that's like the, the thinky strategy game, isn't it? That's the. Is it. Wait a minute, it says the award for best children's <laughs> game, Kinder Spiel de Jars, went Kinder, to Mattel's yeah. Geister Geister Schatz Such Meister. <laughs> well, I know I'm having fun listening to it. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, there's mean. a Kinder Spiel and there's a Kinder Spiel. Yes. There Kinder, we go. Kinder is kids. Kids and Kenner is not. Okay, which honors the more gamer-targeted titles? See, I've got notes right here in front of me if I just read them. But anyway, (laughs) so the three games up for that, Istanbul, Concordia, and... Rococo? 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 Yeah. Rococo. (laughs) I've played two of those, Istanbul and Concordia. And for me, hands down, Concordia, but Istanbul won. Huh. Yeah, I haven't. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't played any of these. These are on my wish list. I, I'd like to play them, but um, so many games, so little time, Marty. Uh, no, I totally get it. And you're, you're a busy man having to film it. Every time you play a game, you got to almost film it. So yes, it's yeah. totally different. <laughs> but um, so it's funny. This past weekend, I had, um, or two weekends ago, I had some friends over, and there was a guy that bought both of these because these were on the Kinnerspiel de Jar nominee list. So I played Concordia and Istanbul back to back. Oh, cool. I mean, h- hands down to me, Concordia was really good. It's almost like a deck building Euro game. Yes. Um, it's very heavy Euro with your buying resources, selling resources, trying to get victory points. But the way that is done is by playing roles each turn. 
but you have a deck of cards. You play your uh, rolls from your hand, and as the game progresses, you can buy more rolls to have in your hand oh, for whatever yeah. strategy you're trying to do. So that is really neat to me. Yeah, when I heard when I heard it was a euro with a deck building element, I was just kind of hooked right away. I wanted to see what that would be like. So uh, yeah, this is one I need to get get my hands on. It's definitely really worth trying. Istanbul, I thought was okay, but I guess maybe just coming off Concordia and how much I really liked it. It's one of those things I need to play Istanbul again. It's, or maybe it was because I was ill because I triggered the, the final, um, the, the, the last round, the first person to like get 15 rupees triggers the last round. So I was the first person to 15, but then everybody else gets an extra turn. Right. And with those extra turns, they passed me. Then I came in last. Maybe there's some bitterness there. I don't know. Losing but, does and, and, tend to have an impact on people. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but before you play that again, uh, just see if you can find someone with Kemet and play that instead. <laughs> okay, just I just really want to I want to encourage you, Marty, to try Kemet. That if, if I succeed in doing that in this episode, I will feel like I have accomplished something. <laughs> and why is it every time I hear Kemet, I think Kermit? But anyway, that's just some of them. I feel like it's a game we have to go like it's not easy being green. I would enjoy playing that with you. Doing that, I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. Everybody's like, please don't ever do that again. <laughs> So there we go. There's our look at two really big awards that just came out uh, this uh, past week with the Dice Tower Awards and the uh, Spiel des Jahres. And is that the final big awards for this year? Are there any other big awards coming out? Or is that pretty much it? I think so. I think there was some kind of geeky thing, a geeky town award or something I just saw announced on <laughs> online with some board games involved. I'm not sure. See, we're, we're just slaughtering all the names of all of the awards. <laughs> I think you even called the Dice Tower Awards Dice Power Awards at one second. So we even goofed that up. But you know what? We just did like a ton of games we talked about there. That was awesome. <laughs> Geeky Town? Geeky Town. I don't know. You know Marty, come to on, look man. That up. Come on. I mean, if you're going to come on, okay, you are like Tony. You just come on here and start throwing things out. I don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> Next somebody's going to say, you don't know what you're talking about. What is Geeky Town? I don't know. Now you, I, I, is that like Funky Town? I, I don't know. There, I should have called the episode Funky Town. Look, there's an award. It's coming out. I don't know. <laughs> Google it. So here is our monthly at the table segment. But now I almost don't want to talk to it because I just found out Rodney is an IT crowd fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we just finished I've probably finished watching that ep, uh, series for the third time I watched well, it with my wife you're super fan then, then when my yeah I am when my son got old enough we watched it well it's only 24 episodes and then when my middle son just got old enough we watched it again and so now uh, off air uh, Rodney said something about Ludacris and I said hey, did you see that Ludacris display last night and we've been saying that all weekend because of the World Cup and so I'm sorry that was a, that was a bad tangent right there but anyway so on this month's uh, at the table segment we asked the question or Tony asked he's the one that comes up with these things I have nothing to do with it anyway here's what he said it is the summertime so what games do you bring to the picnic or sitting around the table while at the community pool while waiting out the 30 minute while waiting Waiting out the 30 minutes out of the pool due to the sound of thunder, or, or I will even expand to say backyard games to play in the summer. I know that's an open-ended question, but what the heck? Love to hear your answers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he writes this? That he was, wrote this? That was an interesting <laughs> delivery. <laughs> Oh, maybe I should start writing the questions. Maybe. But anyway, so the whole the whole gist of this was, 
okay, it's summertime. You're going to go out for the picnic. You're going to go out uh, by the pool. What games could you bring out by the pool that would be fun to play with your friends and family? So, obviously, I obviously not obviously, but uh, as I normally do, I go to our game club. I take a recorder and I go around and ask people their responses to this question, and here's what they had to say. I want to hear this. What game would you want to bring out by the pool or to a picnic? I'd bring Hive or Zombie Dice. Well, if it's near the water, there's going to be no cards whatsoever. Uh, probably something like Stacks. Yeah, okay. So the game that I would take to the pool is something that was entirely made of plastic. So Blockus would be a really good one for that. Because there's no way you can ruin anything with water. I would take Carcassonne so that it would get ruined. All right, what game would you take by the pool or to a picnic to play? I have it. Hive. Because it has no cards. Po- oh, Pocket Hive, actually. It has no cards. It can't get damaged. It plays beautifully. Lots of strategy. Beautiful game. Pocket Hive. Spot it, Junior. Uh, Flux. And Love Letter. <laughs> What is your favorite game to bring by the pool or to a picnic? Farkle or pigs, because neither of them get wet or messed up when you're playing in a public place. It's worth noticing that Eclipse has no cards in the actual game. So if your trouble with playing a big game outside is that cards blow away, Eclipse has no cards. Wow, this Tony really comes up with some some brain burners here. This was a tough one because I'm not honestly. I wouldn't even think to bring games to the pool, and I consider myself someone who'd take games anywhere. But I mean, the pool you, you got water, you got if you're outdoors, you got wind. <laughs> and I, I mean, some of the answers that they gave were I mean, like um, hex. It's all plastic. Um, the uh, uh, so games that involve just a lot of plastic, no cardboard, ah, I might could see that. No, listen, I was impressed because like my first thoughts were like nothing. I wouldn't bring anything. I mean, you got limited table space too usually around the pool, but those were some good, good answers. Well, there was one, one in there that maybe was was a weird one. <laughs> okay, yeah, there are no no cards, but I don't know if I would ever want to play Eclipse by the pool. Okay, we were granted, thinking, we were thinking the same thing there. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, there are no cards. I totally get that. But there's still a lot of cardboard. All it takes is one bad, um, you know, cannonball, and your game is ruined. I I applaud. That's hardcore. I mean, if you're bringing Eclipse to the pool, that's (laughs) impressive. I want pictures. I want pictures of that. (laughs) Or one gust of wind and all the little upgrades to your ships just blow off the table. Well, my ship just got awesome or really bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so there's uh, some, some very good answers. Oh, another good one about the all-plastic was Blockus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good all-plastic game, too. So I guess anything that's not going to be damaged by, by water will be good. Now, obviously, we um, also had a few answers on our uh, Board Game uh, Guild forum page. Yeah. Wow, that took a long time to get out. So we're just going to read over those real quick, and Rodney and I will just take turns, and I will start out with Vorpal Greatsword. Um, he said when he goes, you know what? I said something wrong. I said hex. I didn't mean to say hex. Meant I meant hive. to say hive because that's exactly what Vorpal said. He said <laughs> hive or maybe a dice game. And if there's grass, bocce. Again, totally agree. Those are very safe games to take by the pool. All right. Steve Gibbs had one here as well. Uh, he said summer games make him think of cornhole or bocce ball. I had to think for a second what cornhole was. That's the one where you throw the... the um, Sandbags, right? Oh, you do have that up in the uh, Great White North, <laughs> yes, huh? Yeah, we have that too. <laughs> I thought maybe that was just a southern thing. So, yeah. So cornhole is really big around here. Like I'm talking tournaments. Really? I'm I'm talking like people who take this stuff seriously and play for money. 
like go to like I said, like large tournaments with big prizes and um, cornhole um, sets uh, where they're specially painted images on the uh, cornhole boards are a big deal, costing you know 100, 150 bucks a piece for custom made ones. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, cornhole's big around here. Uh, and Steve also mentioned that uh, in the summer, he remembers growing up and, and playing like epic games of Monopoly and Risk due to all the, the rain, I guess, wherever he lived, there's a lot of rain. Uh, and playing Rook and Uno. Good summer games. I don't know about the pool, necessarily, uh, but, uh, but good summer games, sure. Mac Thatcher said, I usually keep a small bag of games ready for camping trips. Great. And it has Corkle, Spot It, Zombie Dice, Love Letter, and he just recently added Last Mouse Lost. Um, good ones, uh, especially if you're doing a picnic, you're not worried about the water or wind. You may you know, spot it is, is a good one there. So those are good little ones to take. Yeah, this weekend we're going to do a little bit of uh, camping as well, and I usually try to pack a little go bag of things that are good for in the camper. Uh, and these are these are great options as well. I like that. Camping and gaming. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Jonesy DM Jones, also get the funk out is his handle, says, One Night Ultimate Werewolf. It is a 10-minute game, adjusts to various group sizes, easy to transport, and doesn't take up a lot of space. It's pretty fun. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, right? And a recent winner of the Dice Tower Awards. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Dave Miller says uh, he always has a couple games handy, but right now for him, it's a Dungeon Roll, which is a good dice-based game, a few cards in that, and Love Letter. Yeah, I thought a love letter too, just because it's you know limited components there. But you know what? What game? Uh, two games I thought of that are good pool games. Chessers, <laughs> Chessers. I was going to say Chessers and checks, <laughs> but I meant chess and checkers. Old classics. I don't really think to bring those out very often. But if I was going to be by the pool, those seem like perfect pool games. I'd play a game of checkers by the pool. Yep, and I thought of two. I mentioned it earlier, the two-player game. If there's only two of you playing along the checkers chess line, I thought of the Duke. Yep. Uh, the more hobby-style uh, game because it's got the, the wooden pieces. I thought Love Letter was good, too. You know, I can go to my store and pick it up for 8 or $9. If it gets messed up, and eh, no big deal. I'll just go buy another copy. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a good one. You know, I've been playing Code 777 lately, uh, and that one's got mainly plastic pieces as well. Have you played that game? I have not. It's a, it's a stronghold game. It's a, it's a deduction game. Um, if I was going to compare it to something, I'd say it takes all the best parts of Clue and just puts them into one game. And so it's not like running around and rolling dice to try to get to rooms. You're just always like getting clues and trying to deduce things. And uh, it's mainly like these very nice plastic components. There are some cards, but it's a minimal amount of cards. You could probably have one person keep them in their hand and sort of pass them around. So you wouldn't have to worry about them getting wet. So that one might be another suggestion as well. Yeah, that, that's good. And in fact, if uh, Stephen Bonacore is listening, he has set me up with that. Or well, I could just go to the gaming store and buy it myself. But, you know, why not ask for something? Yeah, Stephen, do, do, some, do something for my buddy Marty. <laughs> yeah, pick me up, man. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there is our question of the month for July. After that one, I don't know how Tony, Tony can top that for August, but we'll see what he comes out with. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to how he words it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so that hour just went way too fast, man. This has been, has been so hour, much Marty? fun. It has been over an hour. Oh, Can you goodness. believe it? Well, I apologize to everyone. I, I just, uh, I haven't had a chance lately to sit down and just talk about games. And that's my favorite topic. So just when we get the ball rolling through those awards, man, I just want to talk about every game that came up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry, we just aren't like the geek all-stars of Secret of Ball that goes for three hours. You could have. <laughs> no, this is great, Marty. Thanks so much again. <laughs> But before we let you go, I just want to find out. So um, maybe 
talk about maybe some stuff you're playing just personally that you like. Uh, maybe if you want to talk about some some new projects that you're working on that's getting ready to come out. And uh, also, I believe you got a Kickstarter that's going to be starting soon. So that's a lot I just threw at you, but go for it. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, let me tell you, I'll just mention, uh, again, talking about games. I'll tell you two games I've played recently that I've really been, been digging, and then I'll move on to sort of some new stuff. Nurishima Hex. I just learned that recently, and I've been playing that with Luke. And I think it kind of threw him off a little bit because I won the first time we played. And he's not used to that. He usually beats me. Luke is my 10-year-old son. And, and uh, no joke, he beats me all the time. And so, uh, but we kept playing. And I've been really enjoying this. I've, I've been uh, playing a number of games by uh, Portal Publishing. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is I've been reading a book by um, one of the main designers over there, uh, Ignacy Chevichek. Uh, Ignacy, sorry, Chevichek. And... Um, he he put out a book on Kickstarter, which is a compilation of a variety of different blog posts that he made during his design process over the years. He invited other board game designers to come in as well. And that book is such a delight. We had the power go out at our house for, for a day. And it sort of made me think, okay, what am I going to do here? So I grabbed a book to play, to read. And uh, this has been just a real charmer. And so I highly recommend it to people uh, to, to go and check out because it's really, really good. Awesome. Uh, as far as stuff coming up for our channel on Watch It Played, um, we just wrapped up Dead of Winter, and I normally don't announce in advance what we're going to be doing next, because sometimes things come up and change my schedule, and then I usually have to get, provide excuses and explanations to people. Hey, you were going to cover that game, and you didn't, but I tell you what, Marty. Um, so I do, do I need to put a blurry or black box over what you're getting ready to say? <laughs> no, you know what? I will say it here, and we'll put it on record. Uh, Machi Koro. Uh, a game that's being released by IDW Publishing here. You might be familiar with IDW, not just for the games, but for the comic books. Because Yes, oh, yeah. Um, now I can't think of one that they do, but yes, yes. My family's into comics, and I know there's one one of my sons reads from them, but yes, I know of them. Well, like they did a very popular one, 30 Days of Night, um, which uh, I really enjoyed uh, when I was had more time for comic books that's when i read and they they've got like a number of different licenses like uh transformers and, and some of these different licenses but they're they're getting into the, the the board gaming publishing and this is a game that uh, uh looks really cool it has kind of a japanese backdrop to it my daughter andrea she's going to japan for a year at the end of august early september and so i think this is one she's going to really enjoy playing uh, with me as well so that's one we're going to teach it's a really simple one we're going to teach and play on the show so that's coming up um I do my show full-time, actually. It's something I started about a, a year or so in. And the only way I, I'm able to do that is uh, through a yearly fundraiser that, that we do. And people donate to our fundraiser, and that helps give me the funds to continue doing the show full-time. And uh, so that's going to be coming up at the end of July on Indiegogo. And so I'll, uh, you know, when that, when that goes live, I'll, of course, be announcing it on my channel and putting it out there on Twitter and Facebook. And if people have watched our show in the past, if they've thought it had some value to them, either in helping them determine games that are good or not good for them, or maybe they've found some entertainment in it, then, uh, then I would ask them to consider uh, donating during that fundraiser. We're going to have some cool giveaways. Uh, in the past, usually I've tried to keep those giveaways uh, intangible, things I didn't have to worry about shipping out, because that, that eats into the money that you're trying to raise. But this year, I am going to give away a few things. We just announced at the end of the Dead of Winter playthrough that Plat Hat Games um, has created a special promo card for us to give away. It's a Lucky Luke promo card, so it's got my son Luke on it. It's a special crossroad card. It was very important to me that the, the card be like non-essential. Like, if you don't have this card, it's not going like, to make your gameplay experience better or worse. But it's, it's a, a special memento for people who watched 
that Dead of Winter series. Uh, you know, they shared that adventure with us, and uh, then they'll be able to have this this special card, and it's our little way of saying thanks to to the people who uh, who support us. We're gonna have a few other little promos like that as well. So that's that's fun. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited for Luke as well. Like my ten year old son's got a card with his face on it. That's that's pretty that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, so those, those, that's the that's the main thing as far as the uh, the Kickstarter goes. Yeah, I apologize for saying Kickstarter. I didn't realize it was Indiegogo, which is a totally different thing. No worries. It's just a crowdfunding, yeah. I'm sure it's very important to those companies, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. But sometimes I say them interchangeably as well, uh, just because Kickstarter is so prevalent, you know. Um, but, uh, but hey, you know, Indiegogo is doing all right as well. I mean, Will Wheaton took his show there, and he raised over a million dollars. So I guess Indiegogo Yeah, so right. you, you shouldn't be far behind <laughs> that. I imagine much, much far behind. And that's fine. We don't need a ton. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the main thing. Oh, you know what? There's one other thing. Do you mind me mentioning, um, we have, uh, I'm part of an event that's going to happen at Gen Con this year that's being run by the Spooning Meeples. That's uh, Rhiannon and Tiffany. They have uh, a YouTube channels as well. And they put together this event to run at Gen Con, uh, and they invited a bunch of uh, board game media personalities uh, to, to, be, to come and participate. We're going to be playing a live game with the audience that attends, we're going to be playing I, Dark Overlord. I don't know if you've played that one before, but it's a storytelling kind of game with lots of making up excuses. And we're going to have the audience play the role of the Dark Overlord. But they're going to be a dark parliament. All right, so they're all going to be able to sort of vote on what happens on stage. And we had um, Ricardo Croza, uh, who's the uh, designer and artist behind the game. He came up with some special uh, cards for us to give out to the audience to use during the gameplay, and also get to keep and take with them as a memento. We're also going to have some giveaways. Uh, the game is published in North America by uh, Fantasy Flight Games. We're going to have a few copies to give away to people as well. It's going to be an opportunity for people to hang out and kind of chat with us. That's actually probably one of the things I'm, I'm looking forward to the most, is getting to, to hang out with a bunch of people and, and just sort of talk about the convention and, and other people's experiences. And, and uh, we're looking forward to that. We had uh, put this out. Uh, it was for 80 people, and then that filled up. And so just the other day, uh, Gen Con expanded it to a room that can now fit 300 people. I don't know if we'll get 300 people in the seats, but we, I just wanted to announce this here in case people had heard us talking about it on Twitter and, and different places to know that there's an opportunity now to get these tickets. Uh, if, if they were trying to find it online, it would be at GenCon.com slash events slash 61076. That will take you right to the event page if you want to pick up a ticket, and the tickets are free. So, so that's that's everything uh, that I think I can <laughs> tell you about that's going on with Watch It Played and other extended things. So, this was just really going so well until I don't know. You had to mention that, and the audience knows that Tony and I are not going to be able to make Gen oh, Con. But Marty, no, this was incredibly insensitive. This is I, I take that back, Marty. I apologize. Oh. You had to go and mention this awesome event. Oh, you no. and Rhiannon and, and uh, Tiffany are are going to be doing. Listen, listen. I don't want to rub salt in your wound. Can I tell you some of the other people who are going to be there? Oh my gosh. Event? Okay. So so Matt Evans from Board Game Replay, Joel Eddy from yeah. Drive Through Review, Hunter yeah. Shelburne from. Weapons Grade Tabletop. Richard Hamm, right. Rado Runs Through. Tox yeah. from Crits Happen. <laughs> Lance mm-hmm. Mixter from The Undead Viking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Ricano, Cardboard Jungle. Mm-hmm. Jamie Keggy from The Secret Cabal. And, uh, and little old me as well. So, oh, no, listen, I, listen, I feel terrible, Marty. Uh, it's unfortunate you can't make it. I, I think it's for a good reason, though, right? Your, your, uh, your son's going to college? Daughter? Son? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
Oh no! I, I feel like I just just killed. I just killed this podcast. I'm in such a terrible mood, Marty. What am I gonna do to make it? Up I'm to just you? gonna. Do, I'm just gonna delete this. Hold on. <laughs> Stop recording. Delete. Never invite Rodney back again. <laughs> oh. We're gonna throw a wet bite. Nah. Um, no, that is fantastic. That is. <laughs> I'm glad that the room is opened up and has. I mean, that is an all star uh, cast right there. That. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's a fantastic idea, and it sounds like probably one of those things that if it goes over well uh, this year, that uh, maybe they can continue to do this in the future. And hey, who knows? Maybe I'll hit the go next year. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I, hey, so. I got an idea. Why don't you work out all the kinks for me this year so that next year will just go really smooth? Marty, I like, I like how you turn those lemons into lemonade, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure this one will be a mess, but then we'll have it all figured out for next year. Right when you're there. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, that that sounds good. So everybody, if you have a chance, I mean, the fact that it's free, you get a little. It's an audience participation thing, which is really kind of a cool. That's a great idea, and, and you're going to get a little special card to take with you. And hey, you never know. Take that little card up to the front, and maybe get all those superstars to sign it for you. <laughs> I don't know about superstars, but definitely all these people are. Uh, our, our good friends that I've developed over the course of Create and Watch It Play, we all talk and get along real friendly. So it's going to be fun to be able to all hang out together in a room and and play this game with uh, with a whole bunch of people. That's going to be really cool. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that, that's going to be fantastic. Well, you know what? I have taken enough of your time. <laughs> and I just thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sitting in Tony's seat. I hope it was comfortable enough for you. I mean, he didn't like leaving a bad condition no I no he, he did it he, it's, it's perfectly fine here the only thing i regret is that tony wasn't here to join us um tony thanks for letting me fill in for you buddy if you're listening to this i look forward to meeting you and talking to you as well online marty it was a real pleasure to meet you at the cool mini or not expo people might not know we we got to hang out there a little bit i'm sure if they listened to your show they, they would have heard that and it was really fun to play games and we talked a little bit beforehand online, but meeting you in person just cemented, you know, why I enjoy your guys' show so much. Just a really nice, thoughtful, genuine person who loves games. Hey, guess what? So do I. So, so we got off like gangbusters and it was a real treat to be able to come here and be on the show with you, Marty. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I will say for everybody, for anybody that's watched uh, Rodney's channel, I mean, he comes off as a, like a nice, sincere, humble guy. I will tell you in person, he is all of that. Just the nicest, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Doesn't seem to have a mean bone in his body. And there are some mean people out there, and I won't mention names. <laughs> Marty, I was, for a second there, Marty, I was holding my breath. I wasn't sure what direction you were going to go like that. He seems <laughs> no, like a nice guy, but let me tell you. <laughs> no, no. Uh, really a genuine, and he's one of these guys that when I was at Cool Men, you're not, uh, people would come up uh, to you, Rodney, and it was like, hey, you know, I watched your channel. I appreciate it. And, and he would take time and shake their hand and talk to them. And I, I think that's great. He's, uh, I know many people see Rodney's face and know who he is, but he's, he's just one of us who just enjoys gaming, but has actually worked it out to where it's his career, which is really kind of cool. Like what uh, Tom Vassell has done. So that's fantastic. Yeah, trying to make it work. Well, listen, man, after I, I, after I hurt you so badly with Gen Con, you certainly turned things around. Thanks for, for saying all those nice things. I, I appreciate that. That was great. Right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, no, I, I just, I, why did I bring it up? I, I ruined a good thing again, Marty. <laughs> Gen Con! Next year, my friend, next year. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'll make sure that I've already told the family. I said, look, it's earlier next year. It's like July 31st through August 2nd. It's really early next year. No one's going to college. No one's getting married. You have to tell them it's a ban. 
it, exactly. No, I've already checked. There's no college starting around that time, so I should I should be good to go next year. So, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And what we'll do uh, next time we get our schedules to work out, you can come on when Tony's on board, and uh, we'll just have a big hoo ha. Perfect. Sounds great. All right. Thanks for coming on again, man. You bet. Thanks, Mary. Thanks everyone for listening. Go check out Rodney's videos on YouTube at the channel Watch It Played. Plus, follow him on Twitter at Watch It Played. For us, you can follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website at RollDiceTakeNames.com. Visit our Facebook page or come chat to us on our guild page at BoardGameGeek. Hey, Rodney, I really appreciate you kind of reining in the Canadian accent there because the people around here may not understand oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, that's no problem. Listen, are, are we are we off the air now, though? Or Oh, no, we're good. We're done. Oh, good. Hey, hey, buddy there. That's, I'm so glad to hear it because I just, it, that was that was a struggle. You know what I'm saying? I got I got to get out there on the roof, though, now, eh? I got to get the snow off of the roof. It was some, uh, some terrible damage this year, eh? What about, what about yourself? What was it uh, like there for well, you? Well, well, yeah, no, and then, and then just I'm going to take a quick jaunt down there to the uh, the Tim Hortons there and get myself a double-double. Hey, uh, you know, you're going to get some uh, some coffee there for yourself too, eh? Marty, what you um, what? Marty, uh, we should do this again real soon, Marty. I think we should do this uh, real real soon, eh? Get on this old podcast and thing here, and we'll just uh, talk about some more of those games, huh? Uh, yeah, we'll. All right, you have a real good one there, Marty. Eh? We'll uh, we'll see you around. Keep your stick on the ice, there, brother. Huh?